G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Contentment is something that we'd all love to have. Problem is, there are so many things that come at us from all different directions to rob us of that most valuable of commodities, contentment. So here's a question. What does God think about contentment? Does he want us to be content or not? I'm Bernie Diamond, and thank you so much for joining me again this week. Today, we're kicking off a new series of messages called The Road to Contentment. So stick with me, because in just a few minutes, I'll be telling you about my latest life application booklet. It's called Holy Spirit Power, and I'd love to send you a free copy to help you lay hold of the incredible power that God has ready and waiting for you. The power to be all that he made you to be. So come on, on a scale of 0 to 10, how content are you with your life? I have a strong suspicion that whilst there are a few outliers out there, a few people who are giving themselves a 1 or a 2 because they're not content at all, and a few who are giving themselves a 9 or 10, the vast majority are somewhere in the middle of that bell curve, somewhere between, say, a 4 and a 7, I'm guessing. Are you content with who you are? where you live, what you have, your job, your family, your future, as you see it at the moment. Are you content or not? It's worth pondering. So what is contentment? Is it a state of happiness or jubilation? I don't think so. I I trawled a bunch of dictionaries, but I failed to come up with, with a satisfactory definition. A state of happiness and satisfaction was the most common definition, with examples like he found contentment in living a simple life in the country, or the contentment of a comfortable retirement. Of course, it'd be great if we were all able to live a simple life in the country and have a comfortable retirement, but that's not a reality for the vast majority of the people on the planet. The people who are bringing up children and dealing with the struggles and the joys that all that entails. The people who are working in some fast-paced world with never, it seems, enough time to get everything done they should get to. The people who are struggling with their health, their well-being, with their safety even. I'm thinking of the many people listening to today's program in war-torn parts of Africa from within refugee camps where I know we have many listeners. I'm thinking of the person who's just been diagnosed with cancer or just lost one of their children. Life is a series of valleys and mountaintops, isn't it? And my sense is that contentment is something that we can have whether we're on top of the highest mountain or in the depths of the darkest valley, I think. But it's not just me, it's the Bible, it's God too. He has a lot to say about contentment as we step out in this series, The Road to Contentment. It's my job and my great pleasure to share with you what God has to say about contentment. So why don't we kick it off with this scripture, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 to 10. Teach and urge these duties. 
Whoever teaches otherwise and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that is in accordance with godliness is conceited, understanding nothing, and has a morbid craving for controversy and for disputes about words. From these come envy and dissension and slander and and base suspicions and wrangling among those who are depraved in mind and, and bereft of the truth, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world so that we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'll be content with those. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from their faith and pierced themselves with many pains. All too often I've heard Bible teachers or people who hold themselves out to be Bible teachers promise that following Jesus is going to involve wealth and riches. And can I tell you, if I started teaching that, I know that I personally would be far better off financially because people seem to want to give lots of their hard-earned cash to people who scratch them where they itch, who tell them what they want to hear, that if you follow Jesus, you're going to be blessed with this and with that. But if I did that, I wouldn't be able to refer to myself as a Bible teacher because, my friend, as you've just heard, that's simply not what the Bible says. It's what we'd like the Bible to say, but it's simply not what it says. What it does say, however, is this. Let's listen to it again and let it sink in. There is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we'd be content with those. Godliness plus contentment equals great gain. Let me say it again. According to the Bible, godliness plus contentment equals great gain. It turns out that God places a very high value on this thing that we call contentment. I guess it's kind of obvious that God wants you and me to be godly. No one would be surprised by that now, would they? But contentment, did you realise that God wants you to be content? That he wants you to reap the great gain of the fruit of of godliness and contentment. And that in stark contrast to what the world offers. The riches of this world that are so so seductive, all those baubles and trinkets, the things that go way, way above our basic needs of food and clothing and shelter. The things that God is saying to you and me, which ultimately, if we chase after them as our main focus in life, will cause us to be pierced with many pains. It's pretty strong language, that. Think back to a time in your life when you've been content, just happy with who you are and what you have. Sure, it may not have been perfect, but inside you had that, that warm feeling of contentment. Isn't that something worth having? Isn't that so much better than having the things that the world tells us are going to make us happy? You and I know that all those things are imposters, and yet we're tempted to go chase after them anyway. We get our needs and our wants all mixed up and our wants take over. Now, I know this is a touchy area because we all have these these desires and aspirations that go way beyond our basic needs. Some of them are really good desires and aspirations too, 
But there's a line that we can cross over which robs us of contentment. And that's what we're going to be talking about over these coming weeks on the program. Why? Because God wants you to be content. He wants you to experience the warmth of godliness combined with contentment. All we need to do is to discover how. I wonder sometimes whether we realise how deeply conditioned we are to desire the things we don't have. Have you ever been puzzled by the Tenth Commandment out of the Ten Commandments? Let's take a look at it as a bit of a refresher. Exodus chapter 20, verse 17. It says, You shall not covet your neighbour's house. You shall not covet your neighbour's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbour. What an odd commandment. Don't steal, don't murder, don't lie. Hey, they all make sense. They're about what we do. But this commandment doesn't talk about what we do. It talks about what we think and feel. That word covet means to desire deeply. Why does God finish off the Ten Commandments with that one? Because he knows that desiring things we don't have, and as in the case of the neighbour's wife, shouldn't have, can lead us into things that will destroy us. Just let the weight of that truth sink in. The wrong desires of our hearts are what lead to our destruction. And yet every time you turn the TV on, or open the newspaper, or some glossy magazine, or, or visit a website, or even go down to your local supermarket, you're confronted with advertisements specifically designed to fuel your desire for something you don't have. It's so insidious, it's so pervasive that we don't even realise it's going on. The best way to figure out how deeply these desires have their tentacles wrapped around our hearts is to do a stock take of the things that you dream about. Then all of a sudden, you start to realise what your heart truly desires. I'm Bernie Diamond and you're listening to Christianity Works. Life very definitely has its ups and downs, not to mention the fact that even when things are going well, our own foibles and failures have this amazing ability to rob us of the good things that God has planned. That's why living your best life, the life that God always had planned for you, takes power. I mean, serious power. And that's why I'd love to send you a free copy of my latest life application booklet, Holy Spirit Power. God's Word is alive and active. Amen. So I'm praying that He'll help you lay hold of the incredible power that He has ready and waiting for you, the power to be all that He made you to be through this booklet. You can request your free copy right now. Just stop by at ChristianityWorks.com or give us a call toll-free on 1-300-722-415 and we'll send it straight out to you in the post. Again, that's ChristianityWorks.com or 1-300-722-415. Now let's head back into God's Word. All right, I know at this point that some people are struggling with that thing I just threw out there about contentment in the midst of conflict. Perhaps you're even experiencing conflict right now, an argument or a tension or or some other great trial that's like an albatross around your neck, weighing you down, robbing you of peace and joy and contentment. It's pretty normal that we find ourselves carrying around heavy burdens, financial pressure, health worries, simple and basic issues of personal safety and security. Everybody, and 
I mean everybody, has some of those things in their lives. The weight of other people's expectations and you're struggling to perform. The, the disappointments when other people don't deliver what you expected them to. On and on the list goes. And, and you know exactly what your conflict, your trial looks like right now. And as you stare that thing in the face, the idea that you can be content in the middle of those circumstances seems, well, completely crazy, I guess. You're quite possibly thinking to yourself, well, I've heard some doozies, but this time Bernie is completely off his rocker. <laughs> Let's kick off with something that Jesus said. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30, he said, look, come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, a familiar passage for many perhaps, but how often do we stop and think about what that really means? Jesus is nothing if not a realist, and here he is telling us that he gets it. He gets that we're carrying around heavy burdens, that we're weary, that we're tired, that we're downright exhausted. It's the picture of an ox dragging a heavy load. And so Jesus pulls alongside and says, look, let's, let's get yoked up together here. Let's pull this load together and I'll give you some rest. Not just any rest, but rest for your soul. The reason that we're kicking off with this today is that we somehow imagine that everything has to be going right and well for us in order for the blessing of God to kick in on our lives. When I get my finances sorted out, when my kids finally get through those difficult teenage years, when I find a boss and a job that's just tickety-boo perfect, when whatever, then I'll experience God's blessing. Then I'll find rest for my soul. Then... I'll finally be content, perhaps with a happy, well-provisioned retirement. But Jesus is saying, no, that's not right at all. Right in the middle of the tough times, right when the conflict is greatest, the burden is at its heaviest, and you're the most exhausted you've ever been. Right when you're at the end of your tether, that's the perfect time to experience his rest and his contentment. See, we live in such a performance-oriented world that tells us we should be successful. It's drummed into us day after day that we get to the point where we won't even admit it to ourselves, let alone to God or to anyone else, that life's not going that well. And now would be a really good time for Jesus to pull up alongside next to me so that I can have rest for my soul. And please, don't for one moment imagine that I have a perfect life where everything is always going swimmingly well. Granted, many of the consequences of some of the ingrained sin in my life that God's been dealing with over almost the last 20 years, a lot of those are gone. But he's got plenty left to deal with. And in any case, our enemy, the devil, isn't always so pleased with a guy who's telling people about Jesus. So he's on my case, I can tell you. Obstacles, roadblocks, attacks. Satan is alive and well and doing his thing. So I'm talking to you from out on my battlefield, not in some nice, safe, cloistered lecture theatre. This isn't a theory lesson. This is a practical. And I can tell you that when it comes to contentment, the only place I've ever found it is yoked 
tethered together with Jesus, pulling the heavy loads that he's called me to pull with him by my side, helping me to carry those loads. Your loads are different to mine, but we all have heavy loads. We all have burdens. We all have things in our life that aren't going to go the way that they should be going. And we sit there on the lounge crying out, God, why me? What's going on? And we don't for a minute recognize that God is right there and he wants us to experience contentment in our lives. Here's my definition of contentment. Being happy to accept who we are, where we are, what we have and what's going on without trying to wish any of it away. Life's meant to have some pain in it. Life's meant to have some suffering in it because those are the very places where we have the opportunity to reach out to Jesus and accept his offer. Come to me, all you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. And when we do, we discover that with him, we can do just about anything. We can face the world and all its troubles. We can carry heavy loads with rest in our soul and contentment in our heart. That's what the Apostle Paul discovered. It's exactly what he discovered in a Roman dungeon on death row when he said, look, I'm not referring to being in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. I know what it is to have little, and I know what it is to have plenty. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being well-fed and of going hungry, of having plenty and of being in need. For I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Do you get it? For Paul, contentment wasn't at all dependent on his circumstances. He's content with whatever he has, whatever he is, whatever's going on around him, whatever's happening to him. He's content even when his stomach is grumbling because he's discovered that in his experience he can get through anything through Jesus who strengthens him. And just as he sat there in his dungeon having learned to be content through experiencing all manner of things with Jesus by his side, so can you and I. All we need to do is draw close to Jesus. Let's go back to that picture of those two oxen yoked together. Jesus on one side you're on the other side. The point is they're both carrying the load, but in order to do so, they have to be close together, shoulder to shoulder, heading in the same direction. When you're close to someone, you can sense their mood, you can hear their whispers, you can feel what they're feeling. You don't even have to say a word. And when one turns slightly to the right, the other one just follows naturally along. That's the picture of a life with Jesus, journeying through life yoked together. The problem for way too many people is that they're miles away from Jesus in the sense that they haven't been spending time with him. They haven't been praying and seeking his will. They haven't been reading his word and thinking about it and chewing it over and praying it over and listening to him. They haven't been willing to yield to his direction and guidance. And so then, when the going gets tough, they're wondering, where is Jesus? But let me say this to you, and, and to me, we all need to hear this. He's been there all along, dummy. Once you accept Jesus into your life, he'll never leave you and he'll never forsake you, and he's not the one who wandered off. You have, I have. Contentment 
is the blessing that comes in the good times and in the bad when we're close to Jesus. So step one, get close to Jesus. Make time for him. Read his word. Pray. Listen. Fellowship with the Lord through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in you. Looking for contentment? This is the only place you're going to find it. Let me tell you. I'm Bernie Diamond, and you're listening to Christianity Works. As we take this short break, I'd just like to remind you that if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. Listen, the only sort of prayer that the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. Just let that sink in. The only sort of prayer the Bible teaches about is the sort that has powerful results. So if you'd like us to pray with you, in fact, if you'd like our whole prayer community to pray with you, stop by online at PowerfulPrayer.org to share your prayer request. It's completely confidential. Your name won't be displayed. And in fact, while you're there, perhaps you could pray for one or two others and leave them an encouraging word. The Bible says that the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. So let us pray for you and with you, and let's see what God does, how he intervenes, how he chooses to bless you. That web address again is PowerfulPrayer.org. Great stuff. So let's head back now into God's Word to see what else he has for us today. that strikes me about the Apostle Paul is that after he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, the focus of his life changed completely. Up to that point, sure, Paul had been a religious man. He'd been a Pharisee following all the rules of God's law to the nth degree. But after he encountered Jesus, the risen Jesus out there on that road, this man who was so much about rules and regulations gained a joy and a contentment that goes completely beyond anything that we can possibly understand in the natural realm. We were looking earlier at the contentment he expressed about his circumstances, sitting there as he was on death row in a Roman dungeon. But a little early in that same chapter, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6, he writes this. He says, look, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I'll say to you, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, because the Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Those are the words of a man who is so at peace, so content with what God's called him to do and where God's placed him to be, and even the threat over his life, completely content, completely at peace, so much so that he can't contain it, so much so that he has to cry out from his prison cell, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Friends, that's what happens. Contentment wells up within us until it becomes not just a nice warm feeling, but an uncontainable river of joy, something we can't keep inside. We have to let it out. But it all begins and ends with a life that's completely focused on Jesus, the Christ, the Son of God, who knows what it is to suffer, a man of sorrows, a man of tears, the prophet tells us. Everything about Paul was focused on his Lord and his Saviour, Jesus. That's what gave him the contentment and the joy beyond belief. So, what about you? 
What about your life? What's your focus? Are you focused on you or are you focused on Jesus? Are you focused on what you want to get out of life or are you focused on what Jesus has called you to do? They're the questions we need to be asking ourselves because that's where contentment lies or not. The longer we keep trying to clip the ticket, as it were, as long as we're always looking for what's in it for us, we'll never find the contentment we've been looking for. I want to challenge you today to go back and read that whole chapter in 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and ask yourself, is this how I'm living my life? Because if it's not, it should be. This is the beginning of the road to contentment. Elsewhere in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 17, Paul writes, Let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned to which God has called you. We're going to talk about that a whole bunch more another time. But for the moment, can I just say this to you? Get on with your life. Go, go and live the life that the Lord has assigned to you, the life he's called you to. Stop worrying about what's in it for you. Stop being surprised when it involves suffering. Stop trying to wish the suffering away. Just get on with it. The way that Jesus got on with the business of saving you through his death on the cross. There is such great contentment in Christ and in Christ alone. In the life that he's called you to, the one he's preordained for you in that life alone. Just go and live that life for Jesus and you'll be amazed all the other stuff just stops mattering. Just before we part ways today, there's something important I need to share with you. This Christianity Works program is sharing the powerful, practical Word of God with so many people in over 160 countries around the world. But that's only possible through the generous support of friends like you. Each dollar that you give today will grow to reach nearly 3,000 people with the gospel message. Incredible! That means that a gift of, say, $35 today can touch over 100,000 people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Wow! So let me encourage you to give a generous, tax-deductible gift of support to Christianity Works today, securely online at ChristianityWorks.com or by calling 1-300-722-415. And when you do get in touch, two things. First, don't forget to request your free copy of that life application booklet I've been telling you about, Holy Spirit Power. And second, we'd love to pray with you. Just click on the powerful prayer tile at the bottom of the homepage, again at ChristianityWorks.com or call toll-free on 1-300-722-415. Hey, thanks so much for your support and for joining me today. I'm Bernie Diamond. Catch you again same time next week with another message of God's love, God's grace and God's power for each one of us in Jesus Christ. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.